Welcome to MRL Speaks, the premier podcast covering the contract design industries. Brought to you by My Resource Library. Okay, I'm Jeff Carlson with My Resource Library. I'm talking with uh, Thomas Bongartz from Bofern. How you doing, Thomas? I'm doing fine, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. How's the weather, by the way, in North Carolina right now? Uh, you know, surprisingly, it's a balmy 55 degrees and uh, feels like Seattle. It's kind of all drizzly out at the moment. That's, you know, the weather is very similar here in Phoenix, Arizona. Yesterday, you guys uh, wouldn't believe it, we actually got hail for about an hour. It looked like it snowed. Wow. Cheapers. So, all right. Very interesting weather for Phoenix. But so, um, but thank you very much for taking the time this morning. I, I really appreciate it. I look forward to actually launching our podcasts and kind of getting this out there. But um, I wanted to start with kind of a, a question of, of Bofern. Can you give us the history of Bofern? Yeah, I'll give you the uh, the five cent uh, tour, if you will. Uh, I mean, pretty basically, you know, my father was the founder of the company uh, in 1997. Has undergone many, many changes since then, um, and there's a whole other element to uh, to you know how it came to the United States and and how the business started and so forth. But um, but he started initially uh, with a couple of pretty unique products. You know, the first was a French bistro chair. Um, and we started selling that to uh, Arc Restaurant Group, which is still a great customer of ours. Uh, if you go to Bryant Park Grill, we would still have our, our, our seating indoors and outdoors and so forth. Uh, but generally, it, um, it started as an import and distribute company uh, You know, back then. Uh, I would say feather in our cap with regard to, to that specific product also. It really kind of uh, honestly helped us grow in, in, in many ways. But the, uh, the Cheesecake Factory, I can say that we're truly blessed to be the longest running vendor relationship and customer relationship. So it's going on over 20 years, which is, you know, pretty remarkable, but, um, you know, sometimes that really does work out. So very blessed to have that going for us. But, um, since then, uh, the company's kind of gone through some changes. Uh, you know, that was early, early on in the stages when we uh, first moved to North Carolina. And, uh, since then we've been kind of started, opposite of a lot of the rest of, uh, you know, the furniture industry with regard to contract, commercial furniture, hospitality. When we say hospitality, I mean for, you know, public seating areas, uh, restaurants, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, great halls and lobbies and hotels and so forth and, and uh, you know, university public areas. But um, we started uh, kind of branching out to those different types of products. And, uh, you know, as a smaller company, it's pretty hard to compete with the very heavily invested dealer network. So we kind of started in, in an opposite fashion, if you will. You know, we, we were an open line. We still are. Uh, I think this is probably a little bit more uh, similar to other hospitality seating lines like, like ours, uh, rather than being built up in a, in a very, uh, you know, dealer distribution network sort of way like you would with, um, you know, the real contract side of the business like Herman Miller and Steelcase and, and these types of things. Um, so about 12 years ago, uh, I suppose, uh, just before or around the time of, you know, the, the big recession and so forth. I mean, we have to say because of that kind of cross-sell opportunity that we, that we had, you know, our customers are, are quite varied, um, you know, across these hospitality and contract spaces. You know, we were, I would not say unaffected, but we were doing, you know, much better, thank goodness, uh, than a lot of the other companies who were, who were 100% dedicated to, you know, hospitality channel or to the contract channel. 
Uh, and we had the opportunity at that point to uh, to get some great talent in-house uh, from much larger companies that unfortunately, you know, were doing layoffs and things like that. And uh, because of that, we were able to start doing domestic manufacturing. So we had our uh, our first, you know, one of our first big ads was uh, was our then plant manager who helped develop uh, our upholstery, our in-house upholstery. So, you know, with regard to being agile and getting things out the door more quickly, you know, in a custom finished manner, uh, that was a huge, huge help for us. So, you know, as a lot of larger companies are moving overseas, we were able to pick up some great talent locally and uh, and start producing more domestically, actually, and actually producing product. So it started with upholstery, and then about eight years ago, we moved uh, we moved the plant to a to a larger facility that included uh, some uh, sort of grandfathered in finishing uh, capabilities. And since then, we've been doing wood finishing, and over the last four or five years, have gotten into um, uh, you know soft seating. You know, nuts to soup to nuts, as I say, uh, manufacturing of soft seating. So frames, wood manufacturing. We're getting into solid wood manufacturing as well. You know, introducing CNC equipment and and all that good stuff. So we've been uh, we've been able to grow kind of an, I guess you say an interesting, but you know, kind of the opposite direction from uh, a lot of the other uh, a lot of other companies in the market. You know, we've been kind of trying to develop our domestic capabilities over the years and. Uh, I'd like to say that there was a grand plan in the beginning. You know, it's just something that we saw we, f- we felt like we needed to do. And uh, in the end, it's worked out wonderfully for us. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a boon to our business, you know, over the course of the last decade specifically. Um, and that's something that we're dedicated to continue to, uh, to grow. And uh, it's going to help us grow, I'm sure, in the future. So. Yeah, I would say that, you know, and, and that's a great explanation of, of who you guys are. Um, I've always found that that's the fascinating part with your, your guys' company is you do bridge both the markets, the contract as well as the hospitality. And what was it? Probably around, uh, around the recession is when hospitality really became uh, kind of the key for the contract uh, business. And a lot of that was, I'm sure, helped spur a lot of growth. People wanted a little bit more um, not as – uncomfortable seating they wanted public spaces and all yeah. that kind of grew so that that's yep. your timing was fantastic to do all that yeah you know uh providentially speaking you know <laughs> i can't yeah. take all the credit you know we've got a great team and uh it's just a uh, part of the design influence i think from you know from europe from our background and so forth uh you know plays a lot into that um and I would say it's a it's a bit of a niche even within our industry is not so big even though it, it supplies a, a great deal of you know public spaces all over the all over the country all over the world, um, but you know design definitely plays a big part in that and that's kind of it's definitely always been driven by design you know a little bit more of a modern edge but you know kind of tailored to uh, to American taste and and construction and so forth. Um, that's kind of been a, a bit of the key to our one of the keys to our success, I, I think you could say. So you know that coupled with uh, domestic production and being able to actually create original designs that follow that same trend um, and allow us really to sell across across markets is uh, is definitely key. Nice, nice. Well, uh, let me ask you another question because you mentioned that your dad started the business in 1996. Um, how did you first get into the industry? Yeah, well, you know, uh, if you you know the industry well enough, you know that a lot of large companies, especially, are are generational businesses. I think it's kind of interesting, really, and I wasn't really aware of that when I was, you know, in my in my mid teens, but. Um, uh, <laughs> 
you know, you grow up with it, right? So uh, I've done, uh, before we did upholstery and finishing, of course, I've done just about every single job in, in the uh, in the business uh, prior to that uh, and prior to really working, you know, quote unquote, for a paycheck at that point. But um, <laughs> so, you know, I did everything from packing boxes and assembling chairs and, you know, filling trucks and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, before I finished high school. But um, it wasn't really uh, specifically a goal of mine necessarily to get it to stay in the industry or, or to continue with it in the future. Um, I went to Wake Forest. Uh, I was a martial arts teacher. I was very into Asian culture and language. Uh, so I studied, and I, of course I enjoy business a great deal. So I studied Chinese and business. Uh, and that was in the, uh, the early 2000s. So again, that kind of worked out, I guess you could say. Uh, so I went and lived in China for a couple of years. And, and while I was studying and, and working in China, um, you know, at the time, being an entrepreneur, my father had a, an, a sort of a broker agency business also on the residential furniture side. And um, so it was kind of early on in that, that, whole, that whole deal. But uh, I was asked or tasked, I should say, to go and do some uh, quality assurance checks and so forth at different factories. And personally, I've always been uh, kind of engineering has been a, a sort of a light minor for, for me. Uh, you know, as far as just studying for fun and things like that, and, uh, and something I've actually continued in education uh, after I've graduated. Um, so I would go to factories and do, um, you know, do construct, you know, checking the construction uh, quality, you know, looking at different metrics with regard to production over there uh, for uh, some big name uh, American uh, retailers. So that's kind of how I really got specifically into that. Um, business back then, you know, that's still when kind of Taiwan was running the show with regard to, um, you know, production in, uh, in, in Asia in general or Southeast Asia specifically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I came back to the United States and, um, there was an opportunity, you know, I had actually, uh, interviewed with a couple of companies and Taiwanese companies, uh, you know, for production purposes and so forth. And, uh, you know, ultimately sort of coming into the fold with my father's business, I was, given the gift of more responsibility at my age than I would have received anywhere else. Uh, and I have to say that was probably one of the, certainly one of the best things I've done. Um, because you, you are tasked with this type of responsibility, you know, I wouldn't say leadership at that point, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that need to be done in order to keep the business running and growing. And, uh, I was given that opportunity at a younger age than, you know, much younger than she would have, I would have been given anywhere else. So, uh, it was a lot of hard work, but it was it was great, wonderful experience. You know, got to travel uh, domestically, you know, and in Europe and so forth, um, and kind of continue on in, in its footsteps with regard to, uh, you know, picking new designs, uh, working with designers, working with suppliers domestically and, and in Europe, and um, yeah, it's continued, and that's what's continued to help us be successful. So, very nice. Actually, that's 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 a great story because it's it's one thing to start like uh, just right out of high school or college and start right into the family business and kind of work your way through, which we we do hear a lot of that in the industry. Um, for the most part, I'm third generation furniture person out of uh, my Carlson family, so. Um, so, and you know, my first job was actually, you know, believe it or not, I now own a virtual library, but my first job yeah, right. was actually putting together binders for my father. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Putting labels on stuff, you know, yep. packing, uh, packing collateral to send out to clients. So like good stuff. Yeah. Remember yeah. Those days. 
Well, yeah. and, you know, I think the reason that it's so generational is because they get cheap labor. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you, you don't know what you don't know at that age, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if I take that job somewhere else, I would have been like, oh, man, wait, how much are you paying me? Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. That would have made for an entry, interesting entry dinner. Level, entry level for the first uh, first decade or something. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you answered. Worth it. You know, really, it's it's totally worth it. You know, I think at the end, uh, you know, you really you do get a lot more experience. I think you appreciate it a lot more. Yes. Um, you know, going through that. Um, honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, <laughs> I say that with a little smile on my face, but but it's it's that's totally true. And, and what is your now title? It's CEO, correct? Yeah, yeah, CEO. You know, president, okay. owner. So I bought my. Yeah, I, I you know, uh, officially took over the company uh, about three and a half years ago. I uh, bought my father out, and nice. Um, yeah, it's been going well. So excellent, excellent. Well, you guys have been growing, and I know that that's been happening. I've been kind of watching your activity levels for the last several months, actually, since we met with you guys. Um, I do know activity is up in your guys' binder. I do know activity in those verticals is up. So uh, the timing is perfect for you guys. Yeah. Um, you answered one of my questions, which was where do you you know seek design inspiration? So we're going to go ahead and skip to the next yeah. question. <laughs> um, but and well, you almost I mean, answered I, I would, this too. I I would actually, if I may, I'll uh, yep. I want to embellish on that a, a little bit. Yeah, um, please do. You know, so there there are a couple of things, and you see these trends in the marketplace in general. Uh, and this I, I find very intriguing, and this is very this is one of the big things that makes the the industry in general so interesting. Um, but travel definitely helps. I mean, that, I would say number one, right? You have to be outside of your your circle in order to see what what else is out there. Um, yep. On a very basic level, you know, seeing how other cultures, in, you know, depending on the country or the continent, use public spaces, you know, how they interact. Um, it's very, it's very interesting. You know, it can be very different uh, than than what you're used to in the United States or, or uh, you know, our North American general, uh, even traveling casually. But you know, if you really get into uh, you know certain areas of of different countries where you see kind of a you know, let's say off the beaten path, right? Yep. You can kind of see what people, you know, what they're what they're into, what they're doing, how they're using technology, how how they're using the how they're using the space, the environment. Uh, whether it's a work setting or a, you know a, you know sort of public area in work, collaborative spaces in work, or if it's a uh, you know if it's a hotel or if it's a restaurant, um, and that definitely informs you know the um, the element of design that adds to the experience of the end user, right? At, at, you know at the ultimate. Um, and then the other side of that, I would say, is nature. Right? I mean, one of the great things. I mean, there there are certainly man-made products, but um, I mean, I I started doing woodworking when I was a kid and. Uh, Love it. I love it. the natural beauty that 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 you can bring out, you know, with the materials, and that's a pretty special thing. That's not something that's that's uh, you know, it's incorporated in a lot of uh, different industries. But I think this is a pretty special one that you get to use, and you really get to use the the beauty of the natural products as well, you know, to to augment the the experience. So you see, you know, I would say that's I, I see that's a one small trend where you see sort of like in the Scandinavian design, you see more natural finishes rounded wood you know it's just a little bit more of a natural softer feel and and look ultimately and it really does change the experience quite a lot and they're small they're small you know small changes so yeah hey that's my two cents on that topic. no that's that's perfect and actually that's that's a great segue into you know kind of the discussion that we're going to have today um because literally where is you know where are people getting inspired for the products and where are the trends starting 
like I, I know a lot of times you could see trends coming from our west coast and they move across the country at a at a pace. Um, but if you go to Neocon or if you go to the HD Expo, which you guys participate in both of those shows, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's kind of funny. Uh, well, this is kind of a side note, and I apologize. This isn't on my questions, but every year I go to Clerkenwell Design Week over in London, and it's a yep. three-day outside show. It's it's actually a fantastic uh, convention. Um, yeah. And we walk around and we see manufacturers. Two years ago, I did that, and phone booths were like all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, sure enough, last year at Neocon phone booths were yeah. all over the place. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of curious that this last year in May, we were at Clerkenwell Design Week and it wasn't phone booths anymore. Now it was kind of these atrium kind of um, structures for space division that really aren't, you know, soundproof or anything else. They just, yeah. they make you think you're sitting on a, a porch or a patio or. Yep. Uh, so yeah. I'm just wondering if that's going to be yeah. the next trend and, Maybe that's where trends are coming from is Europe because Europe definitely sets the trend. You know, I, I would say in our experience, and, and, and there, you know, I, I can't say this is wholly unique to to our company, but um, again, you know, we've had uh, my father's background um, well before, you know, sort of in another life while, while he was still in Belgium before I was on the planet. Uh, you know, he's in the lumber industry actually, um, selling uh, North American lumber's to uh, to Europe during their housing boom and, and branched off into different um, industries as well. You know, at some point he was selling, you know, uh, ash wood from, uh, from North America to, uh, you know, FN in Belgium to make, back then it was, you know, high, uh, high design, but to make uh, solid uh, racquetball uh, rackets, you know, the, out of a single piece of uh, steam bent ash wood, for example, you know, just really random stuff. But uh, all this to say that, you know, this is kind of where the, a lot of the roots in that, in, in the industry in general, you know, a lot of those went to, a lot of the lumber went to furniture manufacturers. But you could, you know, he, he really had a pretty unique view of the world in that case because you went to different countries selling different types, you know, species of wood for different purposes. I mean, you can really get into the minutia of how, you know, the, the raw materials used and what it's ultimately, you know, being used for, whether it's residential or commercial furniture and for what components it's making and things like that. Um, but definitely, you know, you, you realize uh, you're spending that much time there. Of course, everyone hears about, you know, uh, the Milan Fair and so forth. And a lot of the design, I mean, and not just the design, but even to some to, to some extent, uh, construction technique, uh, you know, comes from Western Europe. I mean, not specifically Italy, but, you know, uh, Western and Northwestern Europe. So it's, uh, and this is, it's kind of like High Point, you know, North, you know, North Carolina, one of the yep. reasons why we're in North Carolina, um, you know, is the principal center of, of that, uh, of that industry. Uh, I mean, design and, you know, an actual uh, fabrication manufacturing. I mean, it's been there for centuries, right? So, um, I mean, it, a lot of people don't know that, but it makes total sense that, oh yeah, you know, all the the newest, greatest designs are coming from this area. It's just really, it's intrinsic to the culture and the nature of uh, of the people that that grow up in those areas. Just like it is, you know, for people who are or enter in our industry in 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 the United States, for example, you know, you got different pockets, whether it's a you know, steel town or, uh, you know, wood, you know, manufacturing town, things like that. But, um, and that's definitely where, you know, we, we do seek, of course, our inspiration from, from foreign designers. We work with a lot of, you know, foreign designers as well. Um, but it definitely comes out of that, out of those areas. You know, there's certain pockets that just, you know, we've, we've come out with product, you know, it's a proprietary design or what have you. And, uh, you're like, man, this is, 
not working out for six months or a year or a year and a half, and you're, you're ready to just call it quits, and then all of a sudden, it's the biggest thing in the design. Yep. <laughs> you're you're riding you're riding the the tip of the, you know the the crest of the wave uh, yep. with uh, with that design for the next you know so many years, and the, you know I can't tell you how many times that's happened, you know, but that's uh, so yeah, I think it's definitely indicative of where. A lot of I wouldn't say everything. I mean, you know, obviously there's uh, you know Eames and so forth. I mean, there are yeah. plenty of great American designers, but um, but other you know a lot of the new product. I mean, definitely, I think a lot of it is flavored by uh, by experience in Europe for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting to me because uh, like London, for example, when I'm over there at Clerkenwell, and all those manufacturers in the UK want to come to the United States, they realize that yep. basically the UK is the size of Texas, and so our market is you know. Yeah, hundred times bigger than their market, um, and yet the influence comes from yeah. them. Which yeah, is, yeah, which is and it's a global market, you know. We're, and yep. you're not even competing with with just uh, you know other American manufacturers or something. You know, you're competing with all of Europe, all of Asia, yep. you know, yeah. Russia, you know, whatever. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty unique marketplace. It's it's fun, exciting place to be, obviously. Yeah, very fascinating. So. Um, now let's talk about the trends. Right now, the some of the big trends, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, um, I try to put together a very comprehensive list. Because, as I said, Bofurin kind of bridges the commercial and hospitality mm. industries, but catering to millennials, tech, mm. uh, the tech explosion, um, the influx of international visitors, co-working spaces, gathering or collaborative areas, uh, privacy. Which one of those is Bofurn best fit to address, and how are you positioning yourselves as the most qualified solution? Yeah, well, um, kind of uh, see above. I, you know, in, in some senses, it would have explained about you know travel and and yep. seeing how people you know uh, interact with spaces definitely helps us keep ahead of uh, some trends, right? In, in a sense, and um, you know, we we sell. Domestically, you know, we sell in North America. Uh, we also export, actually, uh, quite a bit. But um, so it, it's kind of it's kind of backwards in a way. You know, the way I think about it is is not necessarily um, to cater to a specific one of the needs that you just mentioned, right? For yep. example. But you do understand. I mean, you have to understand uh, the needs of uh, of the generation that you, that you're serving, right? I mean, people that are going into the workspace. Uh, now, you know, a, a phone or a tablet, computer, what have you, is, you know, you, you, they're not walking around without it. I mean, you have to have that, right? I mean, that's just yep. a, that's a, it's a extension of your personality in, a, in, in one sense. So what do you have to do? You know, you have to have some connectivity. You have to have uh, you know, basic things. I mean, you can add elements of that, right, like uh, power ports, you know, wireless charging stations, <clears throat> you know, things like that. Um, one thing that we just came out with is just pretty neat uh, but it's an outdoor wireless you know charging station well with USB as well so you know you can put this on tables even for outdoor seating where people can you know put their phone down have a charge plug in with USB you know their laptop or the phone and you know have it charged um, you know or get signal there things like that so you really can use all of the spaces that that you know you want to occupy whether it's a nice day outside or not uh, you know, with that device and continue to do work or interact with other people, you know, whether they're sitting next to you or they're, you know, across the world, right, you, you know, using social media and so forth. Um, so there's definitely some elements of that. Um, the, the types of products, of course, that, you know, you see, and this is, again, is our flavor on it, if you will, uh, you know, being a little bit uh, softer, a little bit more, uh, 
you know, the big word now, of course, is like resumercial, right? You know, kind of the yep. residential feel and the commercial spaces and so forth. And um, there's a lot to that. I mean, I, I don't think it's a, a specific trend. I think it's just a, an aggregate of uh, of the trend, right? It's kind of coming to a head in, in a sense. You you have kind of the cubicle nature uh, in workspaces, let's say, just specifically talking about workspaces, you have sort of the cubicle nature of, uh, you know, um, I would say in one sense, it's, it feels like there's no individuality, but in another, it's absolute individuality because you had a little space that you worked in. It was covered with your own personal, uh, you know, belongings, pictures, you know, uh, you know, things that your kids drew, you know, uh, pictures of your trips from from prior years, you know, whatever you want to display in that area. It's wholly your own, for the most part. It's totally private. You, know, you can peek your head out and talk to other people sometimes, or talk over the cube sometimes. But, you know, you're kind of isolated from isolated from people, right? So. Um, you know, one of the big pushes, obviously, is to get away from that. So you have really open collaborative spaces, and it's almost an extreme reaction to that in a sense where you have, um, you know, we're going to have massive communal tables. We're just going to have seating that people can pull around and, and, and chat with each other, and, and there's going to be uh, no division whatsoever, right? Yep. And um, But, you know, I would say that a lot of that product was still, uh, and the design of those spaces was, to some extent, you know, kind of informed from, you know, by the contract market. You know, it's a little bit harsher, a little more sterile, you know, in the environment, you know, not as colorful or unique as it, as it is, it is today. And, um, so you've got different companies that have, have involved, uh, you know, acoustics is a huge deal, you know, yep. Buzzy space, Buzzy space is a great example of that, but, you know, injecting the area with, with color, with kind of unique items that, that break up the space or, um, you know, we'll we'll kind of dimension the the area a little bit more, right? And and what you just uh, mentioned earlier, um, sort of uh, I, I guess alive walls. You know, not that they have an acoustic uh, uh, capability, but they they are just there to give you the feeling of even being outdoors, and it's just separating a space, right? So you know, you kind of got to have this extreme reaction to being confined into small spaces, and you lose some of that individuality, but you have total collaborative open areas. And now it's kind of coming together. So you're getting away from that sterile environment of having like very open communal areas, but very, you know, rigid uh, kind of conformed products. And now you're having, uh, well, what we see, and this, and this crosses not just in the contract market, but almost the hospitality market uh, within restaurants and hotels is, um, you know, people are creating little vignettes almost within an open space. So it's still an open design. It's still an open design, but you know, you may have one area that's a little, a little bar area, you know, where somebody can just walk up, pop a laptop down, have a coffee real quick, uh, you know, maybe work for 15 minutes, walk away, maybe have a quick meet with somebody. Then you've got, you know, 15 feet over in an opposite direction, completely different looking area, different fabrics, different colors, uh, different feel, and maybe more leather and wood and uh, more lounge seating. And you have another little area where people can sit down and actually have a one two hour you know brainstorming session and and talk and things like that and then you may have you know some element of um you know of, of dividers or acoustic dividers and things like that that kind of help break up that space and, and give them an area where although they can just peek you know peek out and talk to somebody else or pull somebody else that they see into that into that discussion uh you know gives them the feeling of of being comfortable and and being able to relax and have a good conversation right kind of gets the mental juices flowing and so forth you know yeah, and I think that the, so the so the element of that residential feel and and the softer you know more natural uh, elements and I think what, again what you mentioned earlier is a 
a perfect uh, indicator of where I think the market will be going, uh, you know, is to pull the kind of that natural feel in and, you know, create a, a softer, you know, more inviting, more comfortable, you know, workspace. That's kind of where I see, you know, the market going in general. And I, and I would say, you know, so we opened a, you know, again, very blessed with this, opened our permanent space in, in uh, Neocon at Merchandise Mart uh, this year. Yep. Uh, and I have to say the timing, you know, for us was great. You know, we had a, a great opportunity, worked with some fantastic people to get there. I uh, had a great design team in-house that, that designed the space. You know, but the product that, that we have, and this is just part of our, our design value, um, I, I feel that we bring to the table is, uh, you know, a lot of that product already has some of those elements involved, you know, on the c- contract side, but bringing the softer elements of the hospitality, you know, what we're very strong in, you know, into that, uh, into that arena. And, um, you know, it was great. It was a great experience. And that, that just, I, I think proves the point further that this is where the, the market in general is going. Yeah, I would agree. Especially when you're talking about Neocon, um, you know, there was that big, uh, well, oh my gosh, Knowles moving out. Oh my gosh. Um, Herman Miller's moving out. Um, and, and the panic kind of that was rippling through. Right, right. And I actually find it a, it's fascinating to me. It's not a panic. It's a good thing. Um, in my opinion, those companies have resigned to say, okay, it's not a panel system company anymore. Right. They have to redefine who they are. Meanwhile, there's hundreds of other manufacturers that are in that mart that have been captivating right. the audience for several years now. And uh, I did have a chance to go through your showroom at Neocon, and it was it was fantastic. So um, I enjoy seeing you guys there as well as uh, HD Expo. Thanks. Appreciate that. So, um, another question for you, and, and I, I know a lot of these kind of tie together as I'm kind of listening to you and, and mm. hearing your answers, uh, and I'm probably being a little redundant, but uh, give you the opportunity mm. is what is your biggest challenge as a furniture manufacturer Ooh. that you know, there's got to be a big one that's in there. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it, it's kind of been going this direction and actually a, it's, it's a pretty neat way to even uh, kind of announce that we're doing this. But, um, as I mentioned before, you know, at, around the, the great recession, so to speak, you know, 2007, eight, nine, yeah, we had an opportunity, which, uh, made sense for us. I mean, m- maybe being a, a smaller company at the time, definitely, um, uh, it made a lot of sense for us to start uh, producing domestically, right? I mean, 100%, you know, as possible. You know, as the years went on, this has really been a, a big focus uh, for us. Um, you know, so politics aside, I mean, just the nature of uh, of the marketplace uh, being what it is. You know, a lot of these, a lot of the skilled labor jobs like upholstery, finishing, um, woodworking, to some degree. You know, I mean, there's you can do a lot with CNC machines or some things that you can't do. Um, and, um, you know, that is probably the biggest concern uh, I, I have today, but certainly going forward. And not a whole lot has been done to address that, even in North Carolina, which is, you know, or has been. And I think in many ways still is, you know, the epicenter of uh, of all things furniture, especially for yep. North America. So uh, that's the biggest, you know, short answer is skilled labor is the biggest, uh, yep. the biggest, the biggest problem, I would say, you know, cause it, it just, it, it makes it impossible for us to do, you know, for us to, to come out with new product, to build it here, to be, to, to respond quickly to the market, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, so we're 
doing things to address that in in house. Actually, uh, we started a uh, an apprenticeship program essentially for uh, for upholstery. Nice. Uh, so we work with some wonderful people with the uh, workforce development uh, in uh, in our in our region in North Carolina. Uh, you know, where we where we did not have uh, as much of a of a demand, not just from our company, but from from several others that you know still kind of do half and half where they make you know, product overseas, bring it over here, maybe do some light manufacturing to it, you know, before shipping it to a retail store or something like that on the residential side, you know, for the commercial side, um, you know, you've got a couple pockets again, where, y- you know, or, uh, you, we can do upholstery and finishing and woodworking, but you know, demand in, in those areas is very high. You know, it is, yep. it is for us too. And there's just not, there are not enough bodies to, to put to work um, with any any level of skill, you know, with regard to upholstery or, you know, shading product, you know, to, to make sure you hit the right stain each time. I mean, you know, a lot of these things take years to develop very good skills with. Uh, so one of the things that we've done now, if, if we've we've actually produced a uh, an in-house training program, you know, I want to give away like the, the secret sauce, but, it, you know, it comes in different levels. We've gotten some additional people on board uh, here in the last year uh, to specifically to help uh, grow this area in our business, um, but this is the the way that we have to do it is is you know because there's really a generational loss of this type of uh, these types of skills. You yep. know, it's at some point kind of looked down upon. You know, better to go get a a degree and and you know it doesn't matter what you're really interested in doing, but go get a degree and and then go look for a job elsewhere. But um, you know, for us, if we actually want to develop a new product, uh, deliver it quickly, have it you know, finely crafted, we have to do it, we have to do it here, we have to do it in North Carolina. I feel like that's absolutely a driving force for us. Um, so the training program is, is a wonderful way to get this, to get this started. Uh, you know, we're solving our own problem going forward. And, um, and you know, there are lots of lean uh, manufacturing principles that, we, that we've uh, involved in, in the production uh, of, across the departments within production that that help with cross training and so forth but really the the key is to help develop uh people into really high skilled uh upholsterers and finishers and um and it's great for two reasons you know the one is we've been very blessed you know the people that work in our uh in our surrounding i mean you know that we draw from uh as a pool for the you know for these types of jobs uh you know they may maybe you're coming from uh packing and shipping or just doing you know some other Menial labor don't have really a, a high high wage skill. You know they don't possess that. And uh, if they have the will and the aptitude, we can teach them the skills, and you know get them there and effectively hand them a career. You know over the course of you know one to two years of training in house. Um, and I think that that is. I mean that business aside, I think it's a wonderful thing. You know if it helps, you know it's going to help the success of the company, and we're helping the success of the individual. You know elevating them. It's where they have skills that they're exceptionally desirable and marketable, um, you know, in, in our industry. Uh, of course, we hope to keep them and we build good relationships with those people. I mean, as we've grown, it's one of the basic things that I, I really hope to continue to keep on. But, you know, we, are all, we really are a family business, family-oriented business. And um, so the people that work here are incredibly important to me personally. Yep. I mean, not just for the success of the business, but um, so this is one way I think we can, you know, we're, we're able to, to get uh, a local pool uh, of folks that have, you know, the will and the ambition, the desire to learn these skills, teach them those skills, make them more successful and make the company more successful as a result. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I will tell you, you know, retention and employees. Um, I can't tell you how many emails that I get on a regular basis 
of, hey, by the way, I'm looking for a new rep, or hey, I'm looking for a new manager, or hey, I'm looking for this. In fact, my own team, um, you know, we just lost uh, three team members within a month and a half, um, and yeah, you know, which was a really big shock because I like to believe we are kind of like a family-run business, um, but um, at the same time, uh, you know, trying to retain people that work remote is sometimes very yeah. challenging. Um, sure. So we, you know, we're all facing kind of the same challenge in kind of different buckets, uh, as it were. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. fascinating to hear that, that and, and, you know, you're not alone. Other manufacturers have oh, said very yeah, similar sure. things. So uh, <laughs> I've talked to quite a few of them. <laughs> so yeah. I know it, but, um, but you know, it's, it, it's not something that everyone can do. I mean, it, the other thing about it's like, we've got, uh, you know, we've got several residential furniture companies here, but yep. there's a big bridge to be crossed between outsiding, um, you know, a, a, a sofa that's going to, probably end up at a rooms to go or something like that, uh, you know, versus, uh, you know, upholstering, upholstering one of our Allure armchairs, for example, in two different fabrics, yep. you know, that have two different uh, stretch factors, uh, you know, different feels and getting the seams to lay right and everything. I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy, you know, it's a pretty complicated no. job and I think a lot of people take that for granted. Um, but, uh, but it's necessary, you know, if we yep. want to deliver, the right, the right quality, and the you know, uh, for our designs, you know, something we have to do. So, yep, yeah, I do find that's pretty interesting. Um, as a side note, we, we we've talked about Asia, we've talked about overseas, kind of influencing the industry. Um, when I'm overseas, a lot of the manufacturers there really say, okay, here's the chair, but it's only available in about ten different upholsteries. Yeah, sure. sure. Period. Whereas in the United States. You know, that same chair is now available in over a million upholsteries. <laughs> um, it's got to be a challenge just trying to keep up with, you know, all the different textiles that are out there and, you know, and the designers wanting to put their design flair to it. Like you said, two different fabrics, putting it on the same product, and now you've got to line things up and it's got to be perfect. And whereas residential is a little bit more forgiving in that area, uh, the hospitality and contract industry are not. Yes. So, yeah. So, and and I've been in the, well, as I've mentioned, I've been in the commercial or contract furniture industry for over 20 years now. Um, it's aging me. And the one thing that amazes me is the complexity of the industry. It's one of the things yeah. that my resource library is, ta is trying to tackle head on. It's our entire mission is to remove complexity from a complex industry. But over the years, I've learned more about the hospitality industry, and we've been attending the HD Expo and BDNY and a few other you know conferences. But in the fact that, that recently, and we talked a little bit about this, the hospitality uh, industry has really started influencing the contract industry. Now, you guys have yep. been a major player in both verticals, contract and hospitality. Would you agree that over the last few years, the influence of hospitality within contract projects has grown. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, as I mentioned before, you know, kind of the uh, uh, the new term resumercial, right? This, yep. this uh, kind of the creeping in of uh, what really, you know, ten years ago, definitely prior to that, would not make any sense in the contract space, right? Now it makes yep. all the sense in the world, and people are drawn to the spaces like that to to work and to thrive in on the contract side, you know. Um, and that's, uh, so that's, again, I mean, you know, I'd like to take all the credit for saying we have this master plan, but, um, 
you know, it's one of the areas that we identified that, hey, we've got some solid opportunities here, and, and uh, we were able to, you know, to go after in a sense. But um, definitely, 100%. Uh, you know, the the it is it is now, I wouldn't say absolutely guided, you know, uh, but I would say it's a, it's definitely a driving force in in the contract side of the uh, the industry for sure. Yeah, um, having this more you know softer appeal, you know, places that you know promote more creativity and fun and you know, just more comfy, so to speak. Yeah, in one of the publications, there was an article about a company that makes pillows and how they're yeah. now being so driven in the industry because that's the new thing is, you know, now you're accessorizing, you know, waiting rooms, yep. you're accessorizing, sure. you know, those public spaces. Sure. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, who would have thought pillows, you know, manufacturers have so much extra materials uh, from the standpoint of, you know, hey, when you send in an order, you send in a couple yards of fabric. Well, you still are left with maybe a half a yard. You guys could be making pillows and start marketing those as a side business. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where, you, again, you don't – it's kind of like seeing the forest for the trees. You know, you say, oh, I make chairs or I make booths or I make tables. Yep. And you just kind of stay in that in that zone, and you, that's all you do. You're really good at it, very focused on just doing that. And somebody's like, ah, you know, why don't you start giving us, uh, you know – like purse hooks to put underneath or, or some other bag hooks, you know, to put underneath the table, for yep. whatever, you know, uh, an area to attach a, a dog leash to, you know, if it's an outdoor seating, uh, you know, uh, solution, I mean, just real basic things, but honestly, they make a lot of sense, you know, for society today, you know, there's a lot yep. more outdoor seating, things like that make all the sense in the world. And, uh, and it just sets your product apart and, and allows you to, uh, um, you know, to, almost, I wouldn't say create a new market, but I mean, the market's there. You, you just have to service it. You know, you have to ask yep. what do people really need and, and what are they going to, what are they really going to appreciate and respond to, you know, and that's yep. how you have to respond. Right. Yeah. And well, and it also allows you guys to be unique because there's a lot of companies out there that aren't moving in that direction or thinking about the dog leashes or uh, what have you. And it's, you know, there's yeah. always, there's always a discussion about everything that's, you know, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, you guys have uh, power for outdoor power where you can plug in sure. USBs yeah. and so yeah. forth. And yeah. I just literally I that one first. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I read an article just recently um, about airports and how mm -hmm. hackers are actually um, you, you're supposed to never use a public cord because they yeah. can use that cord to steal all of your information. Um, and sometimes when you plug in a USB cord that USB thing is reading your entire phone and so forth. Not, it, it just seems like every time you make a step in the right direction, there's always yeah. something that yeah. comes along. To, yeah. Or salt in your soup or whatever, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a fascinating, uh, it's a fascinating industry. And, and there's a lot of times when I just look at what you guys are doing and just say, wow, I mean, how do you possibly stay up on, all of those things and address all of those things to everybody. It's just got to be monumental. Well, I'll, I'll let you believe that. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I like to take as much credit for it as possible, but um, you know, we've got a, a great group of people here. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of folks have been here a long time. Um, and again, you know, just keeping the, the basics and those fundamentals in mind, you know, uh, seeing, getting experience outside of our, outside of our sandbox, so to speak, and, and, yep. um, you know, get new ideas from elsewhere. I mean, it absolutely helps in inform what, what we designed to, you know, what we feel like our trends coming up and, you know, Hey, we're entrepreneurs. Sometimes you just have to, 
you know, grab the bull by the horns and say, you know, this is something we we really feel confident about. We feel really good about this, um, and uh, and go forward. You know, develop new designs and and present them to market. I can't say it works all the time. You know, you gotta yep. you're gonna fall on your face for sure sometimes, but um, that's part of the fun of the industry, right? You know, well, you can't grow if you're not failing. Yeah, so exactly. there's just that's there you, you can't learn. I mean, uh, you have to be able to learn. Um, and trust me on this one, I, I feel your pain on that. We have failed a lot of times, but we've also succeeded very, very well. So, yeah. you know, it's how you adapt to the failures, how you learn from them and, and grow from them. So, yeah, yeah. But, well, I, I also want to get back to a couple of things too, because I am fascinated by this, but the contract business typically is fulfilled. And you'd mentioned through like the dealer channels, mm -hmm. the Hayward yeah. dealers, the Steelcase dealers. Yeah. Whereas hospitality business, which is more of the hotels and restaurants and so forth, they use purchasing agents, correct? A lot of them do, yep. Okay. Yep. And, and so yep. you're basically marketing to two vastly different channels. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I would say our, our dealer business is still, uh, you know, small in comparison, you know, from, from starting out more on a, on a hospitality side. Yep. But um, – you know, uh, unique designs, right? Product that people want. I mean, that's that's one thing that sets you apart and definitely makes you more appealer to to a dealer network for sure. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, our, our ultimate consumer, if you will, I mean, our, our customers have always been, and I'm sure will continue to be, you know, architects and designers. You know? Yes. Um, the the end users do do play a, a huge role sometimes, and they 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 also seek design and get inspiration, you know, from their own travels. And that's pretty neat. I mean, it's a pretty awesome process. You know, if you, if you deal with a new restaurant chain or a hotel, a hoteler that's got, you know, several of their own franchises, but they say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to put this, this, uh, this lobby in or this, uh, uh, this restaurant. And I want this outdoor space to be really unique. And, you know, I was, I was traveling to the South of France or I was in, um, you know, in Singapore and I saw this and, you know, I, I want to work with you guys to, to try and, recreate, you know, what, what kind of experience this gave. I think it's really, you know, uh, you know they, they feel passionate about it. And, and that definitely makes us feel passionate, even more passion for, for producing a solution for that. But, um, but so that's really, you know, we work and, and we still, I would say cater to, uh, for the most part, architects and designers. I mean, you have to, that's, that's where the, you know, that's really where the, uh, the inspiration, the driving force for the hotel, for yep. the, the restaurant, for the for the office, for the university, uh, you know that's that's where that that's where that starts. Um, and uh, the the dealer side is is pretty interesting. I mean, uh, you know, as, as you've noticed, I mean, contract has not been a a specific focus for us for for more than you know the, the more recent history. Yep. Uh, but it's been an interesting thing to to start seeing develop. You know, building some partnerships with you know key dealers in certain areas and uh, for certain territories and uh, and watching that grow in a different way is uh, has been it's been pretty wild. You know, but it's uh, it's a you know I think that the the underlying element of this is still you know listening to the marketplace, responding to their needs, coming up with good solutions, and um, you know and having the agility to to pivot 180 degrees and and go forward and just adapt you know i mean that's really having the different types of designs you know and bridging those different areas that's really where a lot of it uh makes sense for us anyways yeah that may not make sense for much much larger companies or some companies they they focus on what they're good at and they're very good at it and they're very successful and they keep doing that and you know good for them but you know we just it's in our nature we like to 
try new things and, and you know, be creative and, and uh, you know, try different solutions for completely different different areas. You know, it's pretty – keeps us alive, keeps it fresh. Yes, yep. And I, I do think you're participating, and I know you guys participate in NIACON, which is the largest uh, contract furniture conference, which is now – if you kind of walk Neocon, you'll even the hospitality influence is incredible. Oh yeah, um, yeah and then the hospitality design expo, which is I believe that's one of the largest hospitality conferences, correct? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. is, are there yeah. any other shows that you guys do that um, I, I don't have listed? Uh, well, you know they own it now too, right? Uh, Boutique Design New York yep. right, is one of one of the big ones, uh, and then we do some some regional shows. Um, if I'm not too I'd like to be signing up for the, uh, you know, some of the NEWH regional shows, you know, design yep. shows and things like that. Um, and they make a lot of sense for us, you know, uh, in, in, in certain markets. So, um, yeah. Interesting. Well, that's fantastic. All right. So now to a fun question. Uh, this one actually okay. was asked of me in a podcast, but if you had a magic wand and could change anything you wanted in either the commercial or the hospitality industry, what would that be and why? You know, uh, I hate those open-ended questions. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, I, you know, in a way I would say nothing, right? I mean, it's kind of a cheap, cheap answer, but, um, you know, not having control over it and not knowing uh, what the future is going to hold in a sense is really what makes it a lot of fun. You know, all the stuff yep. we talked about uh, prior. I mean, this is really, uh, you know, what, what drives us to, to continue, you know, searching out new design, coming up with new design ideas, uh, you know, working with domestic and foreign designers and things like that. I mean, that's, that's what makes it fun, you know, that's yep. being able to react to the marketplace. So I don't, uh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't think there's anything I'd, uh, I would change. I'd, if anything, I wish I had, you know, kind of a, a an endless R and D budget so that we can go into all these different spaces and, um, you know, and and really develop new ideas. Because you know, I mean, even for, uh, I mean, I would say one one area, you know, that we are looking to do, of course, um, get get more into. We, we developed a 3D configurator online. Okay, some yep. companies have it. Mine, ours is a bit better, honestly. You know, the clarity of the product and so forth, but um, the uh, you know, if you zoom in, you can actually see the texture of the fabric, which is pretty neat. That's awesome. Um, but going even a step further than that, doing augmented reality, you know, yep. for the purposes of visualization. I mean, if you consider, and you know, now you've got me on a rant, which <laughs> yeah, this is what's going to happen if we talk long enough. Uh, if in in 1998 we had, I think, in our industry, probably one of the first really functional websites. The most that it did, and I wouldn't say we're on the cutting edge anymore, but the most that it did back then, it was it was an online catalog. Yep. People were able to print a, a cut sheet on a specific product, and I, we literally got emails from designers, I mean, weekly, if not daily, saying how much they loved it, how easy it was to use, uh, you know, how much of a help it was for their for their designs. But guess what's changed over the last, you know, 10, 10 years, especially 10, 15 years? Uh, you know, 3D rendering programs, right? Using Revit. Yep you know, using 3D files and actually rendering an entire, uh, you know, like uh, theme, you know, changing the colors, whatever, you know, and, and, and publishing that and showing it to a client in real time. I mean, you couldn't think of that more than 10 years ago. That's, no. that's like amazing, right? Yep. Uh, I was, we were actually at Boutique Design New York and a great customer, customer of ours uh, <laughs> was there, you know, it's a, a group of younger girls and, um, you know, I just asked them, hey, you know, what kind of programs are you using, and um, um, you know, what 
what else what else could we be doing uh just on on the design side to help you guys not just the actual product fine but how can we help you be successful right and um you know one of the things i mentioned of course was a 3d configurator and and having you know access to revit and 3d files and things like that um and uh she's like oh yeah hold on a minute let me show you something pulls out you know her whatever pro ipad uh opens up a file or two i mean within a few seconds she's uh, here's an example. I just worked on this um, on this uh, this project for a customer, and here's what the final result looks like. And she showed me these, you know, uh, I mean, a board of of rendered. I mean, pretty good, not just totally CG, but pretty pretty realistic, you know, rendered spaces for um, uh, you know for for a new restaurant and a hotel. Nice. How awesome is that? You know, great. What do you need? Like, how can we help you with that? I mean, helping them be successful. I mean, so you know, it's it's not just about the design side, but it's also the the process of design is is also very interesting to me. So yeah, um, yeah. So in in a way, I would say nothing. Yeah, in that regard. Interesting. Yeah, do you know what program she was using? Was it SketchUp or because they use SketchUp? Uh, they were, and... Yeah, they they were using a lot of SketchUp. Uh, they're actually, uh, and I have not heard this before, but she's actually saying they were they're transitioning more to uh, to Revit. Revit, yeah. Uh, rather than SketchUp, yeah. And I've I've seen a lot of people uh, adopt SketchUp uh, in the last few years, and um, but yeah, you know, I'm hearing a few of them move away from it for for whatever reason. So that's something else I'd like to dig into and. You know, when I get some free time. Yeah, when we all get some free time. And, yeah, and speaking yeah. of free time, I, this is my last question for you. Okay. So, <laughs> and then I'm going to free oh, up okay. your day. Um, right. But if you had 30 seconds to share something unique about your company, what would you like to share about Bofern? Uh Well, you know, I think uh, there, are, of course, there are a few things. Uh, and I, I don't want to sound too... Uh, uh, you know, I don't know mushy about this, but you know, we're, we are immigrants, you know, my father, uh, we, I mean, I came when I was a young child, you know, no, no doubt, but you know, I came to the United States speaking different languages, you know, with both my parents, two different ones and, uh, you know, learned English, you know, going to school, watching TV, you know, the, the, the old way, so to speak. Yep. But, uh, you know, we're, we're living the American dream, you know, uh, I mean, of course I'm American now I have been for, for some time, uh, October 10th, 2008. So, um, and it, it's absolutely still possible today, right? It continues on. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, you know, naysayers out there about, you know, the way the market is changing and all this sort of stuff. But uh, yep. you have all the opportunity in the world, the United States. I'm forever grateful for this. I mean, this is why we care so much about where we are and the, and, and the people that we that we employ and the people that we service. Um, but, you know, when, when we moved to North Carolina and that, yeah, I think there was a story written back, you know, several, I don't know, probably a couple of decades ago now, but, um, you know, my father founded the, founded a business, uh, cause he, he came from more of the residential side actually at that point, uh, you know, importing again, you know, it's very French design, uh, residential furniture, but, uh, we were in a, uh, an old plant in Lexington, North Carolina, and when I mean old, I mean, you know, it's still all wooden structure, you know, the, the floor, the ceiling, everything. And there were about five or six businesses there. And uh, they had a really uh, bad lightning storm come through uh, over the weekend. And uh, Monday morning, everything was uh, burned to ashes. Oh, my gosh. So, um, yeah, was, and we weren't, you know, I think four other, five other companies were affected by that. But um, so, you know, kind of uh, it came out of this sort of humble beginning. You know, they had a, uh, he had a couple of uh, his first contract orders, you know, were, were on the water. One of them was actually for, for our restaurant group back then. Uh, for Bryant Park Grill, actually, um, and 
you know, it, it established at that time, I think, a, an, an idea uh, to get into the contract market, to build good relationships, like many of the ones that we've had for for, for long long periods of time. Um, but you know, coming from a place like that um, and starting something completely new, uh, you know, out of the ashes, so to speak, and seeing where we were ten years ago, five years ago, and where we are today, you know, well into the second generation of ownership. I mean, I, I can't tell you, you know, how blessed we are to be here, um, you know, to be able to uh, to train and elevate the lives of of, of new employees, uh, you know, to give back to our community. I mean, this is uh, something that we feel is an intrinsic part of our of our business, and we don't necessarily, you know, publish that kind of information all the time, but um, but we definitely support, uh, you know, we we try to support anyways. That every single year we have, you know, service projects quarterly that the uh, that the the company gets involved in. Uh, we tie the certain percent of our of our profits to give back to our our local community. You know, that creates a direct and critical impact into uh, into the people that need it most in our area because this is where we pull from. You know, this these are the people that take care of us that help the company grow and. Uh, and it is absolutely our responsibility to, you know, to be good stewards of those blessings and, and give back to them. And then beyond that, I mean, we love, you know, the the entre- all of our conversation, or you know, the entrepreneurial spirit uh, is alive and well. And um, you know, we, we would like to see that also flourish in different countries. So we have, uh, you know, a, a monthly giving to a, a micro lending, very good above board micro lending organization like Kiva.org, uh, Kiva, and uh, you know, just specifically sponsor. Um, you know, entrepreneurs in, in different countries and give them a chance to uh, to develop, you know, their own businesses and to grow and elevate themselves as well. I mean, this is really the the key, right, to the, the success of America, the success of Americans in general, um, you know, is being able to to have the opportunity to to start something, to be successful, you know, put your put your work, your hard work into it, and then see those fruits of your labors come out and, um, and be good stewards of those. I mean, that is the... You know, that's uh, our, our belief in the sort of the, you know, the original capitalist nature of, uh, of America that's, that's got us to this point. And, um, you know, we've just been blessed with all success and uh, we feel like we need to give it back. And that's in our DNA. I mean, that's just absolutely we would not be here. We would not have this opportunity in this country at all, you know, if it wasn't for uh, the tenants that, that founded it. So nice getting kind of on my soapbox there a little bit but uh <laughs> but it's, it's definitely something that we're very very passionate about i mean my, my father you know from the beginning and, and myself as well you know you have to you have to earn it through hard work and uh you will be rewarded for that and yes. um that's it so well thomas i gotta tell you uh and and just uh, i am really excited about this podcast i have learned so much about you as well as so much about bofern that um that I wasn't even aware. And I, I thought I knew a fair amount about you guys. In fact, I was just down at your facility a couple months ago, um, was able to do a walking tour real quick uh, with Michael. It was yeah. after hours, but it was, uh, yeah. I was still fascinated by all the different products that were there, the construction, the manufacturing. Um, so I, I just, I think you guys are really on a great track. Uh, and I want to thank you very much for all the time you've given us today. I appreciate it. You're welcome anytime. Uh, really enjoy this. It's been a lot of fun talking with you, and uh, and you know, hopefully, we'll touch base again in the next year. We've got lots of exciting products that we're working on. So um, yeah, you know, stay tuned. Absolutely, looking forward to it. Uh, thank you again. Again, it's Jeff Carlson with My Resource Library and Thomas uh, Bongart from um, 
uh, Bofrin. I uh, want to thank you again for your time, and uh, we're going to stop recording right now. Thanks for listening to MRL Speaks. If you aren't already using my resource library for all your specifying needs, be sure to get your free account at MyResourceLibrary.com today. Today.